When you're almost famous, you just might find yourself live on air on WATD. Hour 2 of Almost Famous begins now. Welcome to the Tiny Stage Hour of Almost Famous on 95.9 WATD, introducing you to independent bands and musicians from across New England. Brought to you each week by Tiny and Sons Glass. My name is John Shea. Tonight, we're being joined through Zoom on our virtual Tiny Stage by Liv Green. Liv, good evening. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. So for those who might not be familiar with you, give us an introduction. So uh, I'm an Americana singer-songwriter based uh, up in Boston, although from Washington, D.C. originally. And I just finished conservatory up here in Boston. So released my debut album, I guess, a week or so ago. And yeah, I'm influenced by a lot of really great Americana songwriters like Patty Griffin and Sean Colvin and the like. Excited to be on here today. Awesome. So obviously with the craziness of the COVID-19 pandemic, we couldn't get you in studio, which we were originally talking about. So how has the the COVID-19 affected your music career? Uh, It's been a little strange to say the least. I mean, I think it has for everybody. This was my debut release. It is my debut album. So it was a little weird, you know, leading up to it and having all these tour dates booked all across New England and beyond and having to kind of reimagine what the album release would look like. But I'm really grateful that I still get to release the music and at a time when people are are needing music more than ever. So uh, it's definitely been a little bit strange. But overall, I'm, I'm grateful that it's finally out there. So am I. It sounds amazing. You sent it to me uh, a few weeks ago, and I've been listening to it, and uh, I love it. You and I both met on the set of the Steve Katzo show a few years back, and uh, I'm curious to know what what brought you to the Boston area from D.C.? Yeah, so um, I've kind of loved the New England folk scene for a while now. Back when I was in high school, I started by coming up here for a fiddle camp called Miles and Music Camp. That's By fiddle camp, I mean it's a camp that uh, focuses on uh, traditional music, in, in particular uh, American folk music. And so that uh, kind of brought me up here. It was also a focus on, obviously, um, songwriting. But that kind of a, a camp kind of brought me up here. And I've been coming up uh, to New England for festivals and camps for some time. And so when college decisions came around, I you know, ended up deciding to come to school here because I just love the, the scene up here so much. So uh, I just finished up my undergraduate at New England Conservatory. I was in the contemporary improvisation department there. And I'm just so grateful uh, for the Roots Music community in Boston and the, the folk scene here. It's really, really incredible. Amazing. Uh, and everything. So you mentioned the debut album. This is your debut full length, though, right? You had an EP out a few years ago. Yes. Yeah. This is kind of the, the first real deal um, full length. So exactly. give us the details. So it was recorded in August um, of 2019. So last summer uh, in Jamaica Plain uh, at Dimension Sound Studios with uh, Dan Cardinal mixing, mastering and engineering. And uh, it was produced by Issa Burke of Lula Wiles, who's a good friend of mine going back a few years from bluegrass festivals and such. And so it was just a, a, an absolute joy to work with that team. And, and uh, Maddie Whitler from Lonely Heartstring Band on mandolin, Grace Ward on upright bass and Sean Trishka on drums. And uh, it really was just kind of the culmination of the past like four or five years of me just writing a ton of music and wanting to craft my first record. And so I really felt like I could totally trust and I really admired the work of all the people I I brought on board. And so it was really just a joy to make, to get to go in the studio and and flush these songs out with that band and with that kind of team. And uh, I'm just really proud of it and excited that it's out there now. Very cool. And most importantly, give us the name of the album and uh, tell us where it's available. Yeah. So uh, it's called Every Bright Penny, which is after uh, a line on the second track, Wishing Well, kind of about hope and uh and change. And that's a, a huge theme in the album is, is adapting to change. So I think it's pretty relevant for these days. Uh, and you can find it uh, on Bandcamp is probably the best spot, but it's on all the places you'd listen to music, Spotify, Apple Music, all that stuff, SoundCloud. But livegreen.bandcamp.com is the spot to pick up a, a digital and physical copy. Fantastic. Let's start off with the song, Liv. We've got New York's Arms as our first track, and then uh, we'll talk about it. You're listening to Almost Famous right here on 95.9 WATD and at 95.9 WATD.com.
shining bright and I saw you in the arms of another From the new Live Green album, Every Bright Penny, that's a track called New York's Arms on 95.9 WATD, and Liv is joining us tonight virtually on our tiny stage to talk about the new record. Liv, how you doing tonight? I'm doing well. So give us the information about that song. How did New York's Arms happen? So uh, New York's Arms was a song that uh, happened uh, after I visited my sister, who was living in New York City at the time. And it was kind of a reflection on the cliche of, of people moving to New York for a fresh start. I mean, that's like a super cliche story of moving to New York with dreams and, and all of that. Uh, and so I was kind of just reflecting on that cliche. And then it ended up kind of just pouring out this song uh, about, uh, about adapting to a negative change in your life and how physical movement can often bring, bring change uh, emotionally too. And so it's just kind of about about change and adapting to it. And I think it, it, it feels nice to, to sing it now and to be releasing it now when New York is one of the harder hit cities. And I think it speaks a lot to the spirit of the city. And there's a reason why that cliche exists. I think it's a really powerful place to be, especially as an artist and just a young person kind of figuring out your life. Absolutely. So talk about your songwriting process. How do you compose lyrics and how do you compose music? Yeah, so it's kind of different every time, but for the most part, it, it usually is um, music first. I often, it starts with me kind of sitting down with a guitar or the banjo uh, and improvising a melody. And often some people call it speaking in tongues. A lot of songwriters do this where you just kind of improvise words without even realizing what you're saying. And sometimes that'll actually bring, you know, lyrics forth that are that are worth something. And it feels kind of like this weird subconscious thing happening. But this song was actually different in that this one, I, I wrote the lyrics out first. So the music kind of came afterwards. And I feel like uh, in that sense, I feel like the, the lyric really influenced the, the music in this one. And there's a lot of interesting things with time in this song that I think kind of came out of me kind of mimicking the phrasing, but through the music. So I think it's cool how the process can kind of affect the way that the song ends up sounding. Completely agree. And I'll live. The songs that appear on Every Bright Penny, were all those tracks written specifically for the album? Probably not with me thinking about the album specifically. There are a couple that were, you know, toward the end that I was thinking, I need something that will fit a certain um, space. But for the most part, it was just kind of a lot of a lot of scribbled down notes on napkins at work where I waitress and a lot of uh, voice memos, stuff composed on staff paper, just kind of a combination of just the past like four or five years of my life. Uh, and it, it just so happened that they happened to fit together on an album. But for the most part, it was just kind of like a, a an afterthought of how are these going to fit together? And I was really grateful that they, they happened to all kind of find a place on the record. There were a lot of songs that didn't end up on the record, but that's, that's okay. That's part of the process. Awesome. Well, let's play another track off that record. This one is called Take Me to the Station. We're chatting with Liv Green tonight about her new album, Every Bright Penny, here on Almost Famous on 95.9 WATD. And uh, we'll chat with more with Liv right after this song, 95.9 WATD.
It's called Take Me to the Station. Liv Green is joining us tonight virtually on our tiny stage talking about her new album, Every Bright Penny, which is available now. And Liv, give us the details again on where people can get a copy of this new record. Yeah, so uh, you can get a compact disc if you're still someone who uses them. (laughs) You can always use it as a Frisbee or a coaster. Um, But uh, if you're into that uh, or digital to support, um, Bandcamp is the spot. So livegreen.bandcamp.com. And that's green with an E on the end, live without. That's the spot to do it. But you can listen, you know, anywhere, Apple Music or Spotify. And I, now more than ever, it's it's very important to support local musicians. And there really is no other way right now than to actually purchase physical music. So definitely go to the Bandcamp page and download a copy of Every Bright Penny. It's an awesome album. I absolutely love it. So Liv, talk about that song, Taping to the Station. How did that one happen? That song kind of uh, came out of the blue. I have no idea kind of where it came from, but I it ended up being one of those spooky songs where... Uh, I'm mainly a writer of fiction, uh, and a lot of people are surprised by that. And sometimes people will come to me after gigs and say, you need to dump your boyfriend. He he cheats on you. Why do you keep going back to him? And I'll just kind of explain to them that I'm a liar. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But no, I think that's a a common thing with songwriting is, I mean, all of the messages are really authentic to me. Even if they're not my own stories, they, they found me in a really authentic way, and they feel true to me in the way that I tell it. But this is one of those songs where... I wasn't going through a breakup at the time, but I was just kind of ruminating on past experience and and it just kind of poured out. Um, and I think it was maybe maybe coping with something that happened in the past, but uh, it's become relevant to me in, in, in some ways. And I think sometimes that happens with songs uh, in a spooky way. But yeah, it's just kind of about about moving on and change and how we don't often want to we don't want to accept it. <laughs> I understand completely. So Liv, once an idea for a song pops into your head, how long does it take before you're ready to share it with the world? Uh, it's usually quite some time. I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty bad about finishing songs pretty quickly. I'm a I'm a you know, revisit the voice memo multiple times kind of gal. <laughs> but this one was actually kind of quick. Take me to the station was a pretty quick write. Yeah, it's usually probably about a week from when I start it, which some people might think that's such a short amount of time. Sometimes it's months, but I'm not usually the right the day before kind of gal. I like to do a lot of editing. Well, it sounds great. The album is called Every Bright Penny, and we're chatting with Liv Green tonight here on 95.9 WATD on Almost Famous, the tiny stage. And we are up against our first break. We'll chat more about Every Bright Penny and with Liv Green right after this. We're brought to you each week by Tiny and Sons Glass here on 95.9 WATD. We're your radio station. The South Shore's 95.9 WATD. Welcome back to Almost Famous on 95.9 WATD, introducing you to independent bands and musicians from across New England, brought to you by Tiny and Sons Glass. My name is John Shea. Tonight, we are on the tiny stage, virtually chatting with Liv Green about her new album, Every Bright Penny. Liv, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well, yeah. So for those who missed the first part of the show, give us another introduction. Uh, so my name is Liv Green. I'm an Americana singer-songwriter uh, based here in Boston. And uh, from Washington, D.C. originally, I, I've been writing songs for uh, longer than I can remember, just inspired by other Americana songwriters like Emmylou Harris and Patty Griffin. And my debut record, uh, Every Bright Penny, uh, just came out last week. And I'm just excited that it's finally out there. Excellent. And you mentioned the Bandcamp page earlier, but talk about other places to track you down, the website, social media, stuff like that. 
Yeah, um, I'm on pretty much all the social media except for TikTok. I haven't found my way there yet. But uh, Twitter and Instagram, Live Green, Facebook.com slash Live Green Music. Um, but the best spot to support the music would be livegreen.bandcamp.com. And that's green with an E on the end and live without. And that's where you can buy um, a CD or digital copy of the record. And I also have a website, livegreen.com, for when, when tour dates start happening again, that'll be more of the spot. But right now it's just kind of a, a haunted place with uh, some album press and stuff. But I'm, I'm eager for being able to post some, some show dates when, whenever that happens. I mean, obviously it's important that we take our time with this uh, change. Yes, absolutely. And, and speaking of show dates, you were supposed to have a release show at Passim in Cambridge. However, you had to uh, change that and, and turn it into a virtual event. How did that go? That was so much fun. Club Passim is one of my favorite places in the world. And even when not a physical place, I just think the community that that uh, environment has and, and that Passim has surrounding it is just so incredible. We did it from my apartment. I just, you know, live streamed and that was a really great uh, evening. And it's, I think it's still up on my Facebook page if you want to give it a listen. Uh, yeah. Fantastic. I, I will do that. I'm sorry I missed it. So we're chatting about Every Bright Penny. Let's do another track off of that album. And this one is called Wayside. And you're listening to Live Green, talking about the album here on 95.9 WATD and 95.9 WATD.com. Thank you. 
It's called Wayside from Live Green. It's off the album Every Bright Penny. And Live Green is joining us tonight here on 95.9 WATD on the Tiny Stage. My name is John Shea. We're introducing you to independent bands and musicians from across New England. And Liv, talk about how that song happened. Uh, so Wayside um, was a song that actually happened in a nerdy uh, twist of fate. So um, I'm a banjo player. Um, and... Uh, my banjo is tuned to open G. It's a five string banjo, not a, not a tenor. Um, and the, if, if you're a banjo player, you know that there's a smaller string called the drone string uh, that you kind of hop your thumb up and down on uh, if you're a claw hammer player. And so when I was writing this song, I was just kind of sitting with my banjo and I started playing and my drone had gone extremely flat. It was like a half, um, it was a, a half tone flat. So it was an F sharp instead of a G, which if you're, a banjo nerd or a jazz nerd or whatever else. That's just a G major seven chord. So this kind of just came out of that. I was just sitting with my banjo and the, the drone was tuned wrong. And I just kind of started improvising on it and uh, found this kind of weird, you know, cross between, between like a jazz tune and, and a folk tune. And it just kind of poured out of me from that sense. And it's definitely probably the angstiest tune on the record, but uh, it has a special place in my heart. Very nice. Do you ever get teased for playing the banjo? Oh, yes. <laughs> My family definitely teases me. I didn't grow up in a musical household or anything. So I remember actually when I first wanted a banjo, like in, in late high school, my parents were like, no, you should just get a mandolin instead. And I was like, it's really not the same thing. But yeah, I love the banjo. It's it's a great instrument. It gets ragged on a lot, but I think it's fantastic. Awesome. And talk about your, your time. I was reading on your, on your website that you attended a songwriting camp growing up. Talk about that time. Yeah, so I was actually lucky to attend um, a couple of them. But the one that was, I think, most formative to me was this one called uh, Miles and Music Camp. That's in, uh, it was in New England. So that's kind of how I got my roots, my musical roots up here. But it's uh, it's in New Hampshire on this uh, island called Three Mile Island, um, which is owned by the Appalachian Mountain Club run by uh, Laura Cortese and Chris Nondreson, who are just two powerhouse women in, in traditional uh, music and uh, songwriting that comes from traditional music. And so I grew up going to that camp from age 15 onward. And so it was extremely formative for me. And I feel like it, it's, it's what kind of caused me to become, to decide to become a musician. I think seeing it's an all ages camp. So being around a lot of professional musicians and seeing that it was a possibility was really, really cool. Awesome. And from attending a camp with teachers, you're now a music teacher yourself. Talk about that. Yeah, um, that's a somewhat recent thing uh, in the last like four or five years. But yeah, I've been uh, teaching private lessons, guitar and voice, and then also uh, teaching uh, through the Passim School of Music. I, I taught a little bit last year through them. I did a couple semesters and I have uh, two classes this semester as well, teaching songwriting. And the Passim School of Music is a part of uh, Club Passim in Cambridge. It's a nonprofit uh, arts organization and their school of music is uh, it's described as folk music education for adults, which is super fun. So I have a couple classes there and it's just really great to, to get to talk about songwriting in a, in a format like that and to to teach it. It's something I'm super passionate about. Do you ever find yourself learning from your students? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, especially when I'm teaching adults, I think often I'll bring in a song for discussion and, and I think the more time you just spend kind of ruminating on something, uh, with, with people who are passionate about it, I mean, the more that comes to light. And sometimes if I'm, I'm preparing a lesson, uh, I'll, I'll dig deeper into something I, I hadn't dug deep into before. So absolutely. I think it's, Teaching is one of those things that just like gives back constantly. Fantastic. We are chatting with Liv Green. Her new album is called Every Bright Penny. And the best place to get a copy of that is through her Bandcamp page. Liv, give us that information again, if you would. Yeah, it's uh, Liv Green, green with an E on the end, live without, dot bandcamp.com. And that's the spot to get a CD or a digital copy uh, to support. Awesome. And let's do another track off that record. This one is called Independence. We're chatting with Liv Green tonight about that new album, Every Bright Penny, right here on 95.9 WATD. And online streaming tonight at 95.9WATD.com.
That's called Independence. It's from Liv Green off of her new album, Every Bright Penny. You're learning about the independent music community from here on the South Shore into Boston and across New England. Brought to you by Tiny and Sons Glass. My name is John Shea and Liv Green. Social distancing tonight on the Tiny Stage. Liv, talk about that song. Uh, So that song is one of the very few uh, happy songs on the record. Uh, I think I'm one of many who writes more sad than happy songs. Um, But it's kind of a reluctant love song. And whenever I play it at shows, I always joke that when I play it, I am by no means advocating for codependence. Um, But it's just kind of about when you you fall uh, in love with someone, just kind of how sometimes it catches you off guard and by surprise. And, and sometimes, you know, you're running away from commitments and you just happen to find yourself in something that you don't want to say goodbye to. So it's kind of also a love song to Boston too. There are some lines in there that kind of talk about falling in love with the city um, while falling in love with someone in it. So it's just kind of a, a, a little happy love song, a change of pace for the record and has Issa Burke on fiddle and Maddie Whitler on mandolin, Grace Ward upright bass and Sean Trishka on drum. So it was a, a joy to, to play it too uh, with a kind of a shuffly feel um, with that band. Awesome. So whether it's a sad song or a happy song, how important is the story in your writing? Uh, the story is the most important uh, thing to me. I think even when I'm writing fiction, which is a lot of the time, I feel like, yeah, the story is kind of everything. I think songwriting is is all about storytelling and sharing human experience uh, and making us feel a little less alone and just kind of giving us a place of solace and peace from our normal lives just to kind of tune out for a sec. So uh, I think it's a super important uh, thing. And uh, even when I was just starting out writing, I think that story was always really important to me. Um, Some of my early songs, obviously not all gems. I have plenty of notebooks of really, really terrible songs that I wrote in middle school and such. But a lot of my early songs were, I think I've always just kind of been enamored by story songs that just inhabit even if it's not your own story, just someone's life, like songs like Making Pies by Patty Griffin or Red Dirt Girls by Emmy Lou Harris, just really great um, storytelling. And I think that, that that Americana singer-songwriting is a lot of that. It's just that tradition of telling stories. So you mentioned Patty Griffin, you mentioned Emmy Lou Harris, two of my favorites, but who did you listen to growing up before Americana was in your life? Mm. So... Luckily, um, I'm really grateful to my parents that I I did listen to um, a lot of the people that I now count as my biggest influences, like those two and Sean Colvin uh, when I was growing up. So I I was exposed to that stuff pretty young, but it was kind of weird. It was a collection of stuff. There's some R.E.M., some Crowded House. What else? I don't know. Teddy Thompson, Richard Thompson. Lots of different different things, even some Counting Crows, some of the deep cuts, not the, the Shrek sh- soundtrack stuff, but um, <laughs> some of their other stuff. And yeah, just kind of a, a mix of things. Also a lot of jazz and big band music, which I'm grateful for. I think that's influenced my writing a little bit as well. How about more on the local scene? Who are you listening to from this area? Uh, man, let me think. So many people. Uh, Elisa Amador, Izzy Heltai, Sadie Gustafson-Zook. Uh, Joby Riccio, who else? Lula Wiles, um, pretty much the Passim calendar. If you just look at local acts coming through Passim, uh, really, 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 really rich scene here that I'm really grateful to be a part of. Yeah, I saw you uh, a little while back, uh, shortly before everything shut down at the Sarah Blacker show. Oh, yeah, that was awesome. I was actually serving for that, and that was just a great, um, great show to, to, be, to be working at. I uh, work at Club Passim for for anybody who doesn't know that, which is a fun place to work when you're a musician. I think it's, it's, it's great to get to be in a space that's an art space, even when you're, you're, you know, busing tables and such. Um, but that was an amazing show. Yeah. Sarah Blacker's so great as well. And the lied to a lot of just great new England music. Yeah. That was one of, one of my very first concert venues. And my dad took me to a show there to see uh, one of the monkeys was solo there. So one of my oh. very first concerts was at Passim. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. And I later found out that Matt Smith was running sound that night. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, he's been he's been there. We are chatting with Liv Green tonight and the album is called Every Bright Penny. Let's do another track off of that record. This one is called Brandy Hill and then we'll chat more with Liv. You're listening to Almost Famous on 95.9 WATD and 95.9 WATD.com. Sad refrain I was wandering about 
when you want to be alone where the birds are winging low and could I be could I be a bird could I be a crow and what am I to you I just don't know when I went up on Brandy Hill I was looking for a sign And that song is called Brandy Hill from Live Green off the album Every Bright Penny here on Almost Famous 95.9 WATD. We are virtually chatting tonight on the tiny stage. And Liv, talk about what that song's about. So Brandy Hill is kind of a Wordsworthy type song. Uh, it was kind of me indulging like my nature imagery uh, in a, for, for a track. Uh, and that's a big influence of mine, I think, in other writing too. But uh, it's just kind of about, I think we all kind of have had that place or have that place where we go, um, whether it's outside or or somewhere, we'll take a drive sometimes to random parking lots, wherever it is, we all kind of have that place where we go to process things. And often, if it's a natural place, we often find ourselves kind of projecting uh, internal things onto the landscape. And so this is kind of just a song, a reflection on that that came about uh, in just daily writing. Amazing. The new album, again, is called Every Bright Penny. I know you touched upon this uh, briefly earlier tonight, but talk about working in the studio and what that environment was like. Yeah, so I um, did this project locally. I did it at uh, Jamaica Plain, uh, Massachusetts. I did it at the um, Dimension Sound Studios with Dan Cardinal. Uh, and it was really an incredible experience. I mean, I've loved so many records that come out of that studio. So many great uh, New England projects record there. And so it was just kind of a natural fit to go there. Uh, I had never tracked there before, but um, Issa Burke, who was producing the record, you know, obviously Lula Wiles did both her records there. And so she felt really comfortable there. And it was my first, you know, full length record. So being in the studio, there are a ton of mind games that go into getting good takes. And so I was just really grateful that I, I felt totally in my element there. And I was also only a few blocks from where my apartment at the time was. So I could kind of roll out of bed and jump, jump in the car and uh, go to the studio. But yeah, uh, we recorded it in August of 2019 and in over six days. And it just felt like a really, really organic process. I feel like uh, there was just a lot of trust with the band and and everything kind of fell into place. Obviously, we did some grunt work with arranging the tunes and everything. But I just I felt so, so lucky to get to play with that band of incredible artists. Now, your debut EP came out, what was it, 2016? 
Yes. What yeah. did you learn from making the EP that helped make the album easier? Totally. So I think uh, for the EP, there's a lot of, I learned a lot about how you can do something really DIY, but then, you know, there's kind of a contrast. And so I think I learned a lot about kind of what I didn't want to do with that uh, EP. And I, I, I'm still proud. I mean, I think the songs are really strong and the performances are super strong considering uh, the fact that that EP versus this one, I mean, I still did live vocals for 10 of the 11 songs on every bright penny that the debut album, but on that 2016 EP, we recorded everything all in one day in a matter of hours, uh, everything live, very little editing. So I think it was more of an organic kind of process, which I think was nice for me, um, given that it was my my first thing I was going to release to just kind of like document where I was as an artist at that time. And so looking back, I definitely can track a lot of growth um, between these two projects. But I think it just made me realize all the ways in which I really want to wanted to for the for the project coming up up after that for every bright penny i really wanted to spend a lot of time in the studio and really just get that experience for making a record and getting a little more involved in the process rather than just kind of recording in in more of a live setting fantastic that's the voice of live green her new album every bright penny is out right now and where's the website again you can find that the Bandcamp page uh, yep, Live Green, and that's uh, green with an E on the end, live without, um, L-I-V-G-R-E-E-N-E dot bandcamp dot com. Awesome. Live, we're up against our final break of the night, but I think we have one more song to close out. Does that work for you? Yeah, sounds great. All right. We'll be back with more right here on 95.9 WATD. Right now, though, this quick look at the forecast. Keep it right here. We're the South Shores radio station, 95.9 WATD. And for the final time this evening, welcome to Almost Famous on 95.9 WATD. This is the Tiny Stage Hour, where we introduce you to an independent band or musician from across New England. Tonight, we are virtually chatting through Zoom with Liv Green. Her new album, Every Bright Penny, is out right now. Liv, good evening. How you doing? I'm doing well. One final time, introduce yourself. Yeah, um, so I'm a, a Boston-based artist, uh, Americana singer-songwriter, kind of inspired by the vein of like Emmylou Harris, Sean Colvin, Patty Griffin, Dar Williams. And uh, my debut record, like you said, just came out. I'm super excited to share it. And uh, I love living up here in New England and I'm hoping to stay here for a bit and keep, keep playing shows once that can happen again. Awesome. And share with us your website and social media links, too. Yeah, so um, you can find my music at livegreen.bandcamp.com. That's green with an E on the end. Livegreen.com is another great spot. And Live Green Music on Facebook and Live Green on Twitter and Instagram. So, Liv, obviously these are very interesting times that nobody's seen before. So what can fans do right now to support independent artists such as yourself? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, I think that this is something so important for everybody to kind of be asking themselves for kind of all facets of, of the arts that they appreciate. I think that now more than ever, uh, and in, in any difficult time, I think the arts are the first thing that people go to, whether that's a Netflix show, you know, entertainment industry, uh, or, you know, an album that really brings them comfort or a book. I think artists are kind of the backbone of society in that sense. And so I think one of the best things that people can do right now is just to buy merchandise, buy CDs, buy digital copies, just really show um, artists support through through supporting their projects. Um, I, I'm really glad to see that Spotify just added a donate button on artist pages, which is incredible. So if you're not a physical music kind of person and don't want to take up storage on your computer and in your house, um, that's another option to directly support artists. Giving music is another great thing, but really just I've, I've been overwhelmed by the support that I've received with the release of this record. Uh, even though I can't be touring it, uh, I'm just really grateful for how supportive, especially the New England scene uh, is and all the, the fans that come to Passim and, and the like. So Liv, once the world starts to slowly reopen, what's the first thing you're going to do? Honestly, I think the first thing I'm going to do is... Uh, book some shows. I think that uh, obviously, I mean, this would be in the, in the phase when it's safe to do that. Um, but I, I love live performances more than anything. Uh, so I think, yeah, just going to the venues that I, I love so dearly and just, just going to shows, playing shows. I think that that's such a crucial part of the, the experience that I'm so eager to get back 
Awesome. And, and you know, once once you start doing that, what's, what's next? Have you already started writing songs for the second full-length album? Absolutely. Yeah, I think that making this record just really got the taste in my mouth for making records and and i'm i'm so excited to work on the next one uh obviously i'm i'm excited to be playing these songs live and promoting this one but um i'm just excited about the process of of recording it's such a joy to make a record and been writing for for the next one already so excited to get in the studio again awesome well you made a great record it's called every bright penny it's out right now give us the information again on where people can find it yeah, so uh, livegreen.bandcamp.com is the best spot to uh, pick up a copy, uh, digital or otherwise. But uh, Spotify, Apple Music, all the usual sp- suspects uh, have it as well. Awesome. And we are going to close out tonight with a song that we've been playing on the show for a little while now. It's called Wishing Well. Talk about this one, Liv. Uh, so Wishing Well is the oldest song on the record. I actually started writing it my junior year of high school, so it's like over five years old. But it's uh, it's a song about that little piece of hope that we often hold on to in our minds when we're when we're moving on from someone uh, and how that that piece of hope can kind of keep us stuck. And so it's it's kind of about denial, uh, but uh, and, you know, overall about coping with that. And it's uh, probably one of my favorite tracks on the record with how it came out production wise. Uh, it has Issa Burke on electric guitar in a really beautiful way. So uh, I'm eager for people to be hearing it. Awesome. Liv, thank you so much for joining us tonight. And um, please be safe. And once everything starts to reopen, maybe we can get you back in studio here. Absolutely. Yeah, that'd be awesome. All uh, right. Sending love to you. Hope you stay safe as well. All right. Have a great night. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much for having me. Bye. Penny.